Welcome to the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders Podcast. I'm Denise Garth, Chief Strategy Officer at Majesco. If you're interested in the latest industry trends and new technologies that are reshaping the future of insurance, you're in the right place. Stick around to hear my discussions with industry leaders as we help uncover today's emerging opportunities for the future of insurance. Welcome everybody uh, to Majesco's podcast series, Future of Insurance Industry Leaders. And this is Denise Garth, and I am really pleased today to be having uh, two colleagues that we're working with, Abi Bakare and Santosh Kuri from Deloitte. Welcome, Abi and Santosh. Thank you, Denise. Thank you, Denise. What I always like to do is start off with a question that basically you guys kind of talk about yourselves, give a little bit about your background, your role at Deloitte and kind of our partnership uh, before we kind of get into uh, the topic of today, which is around uh, voluntary benefits and the changing employee expectations. So Abby, do you want to start? Sound good, Denise. So I'm a leader in our insurance practice, uh, really operating at the intersection of strategy, operations, and technology. Focus a lot on group and life carriers, helping them shape their digital transformation agendas and stories and successfully executing on some of the strategic initiatives. Been in the industry probably 16 years and have spent a good chunk of that in the group and life space over the last eight years. So happy to be here. And Santosh? Yeah, thanks for having me, Denise. My name is Santosh Kudam, leader in Deloitte's group insurance practice focus around technology-enabled business transformation projects to help our clients with a multitude of challenges around technology-enabled programs that they have. I also have the privilege of leading the Majesco Alliance relationship with Deloitte as part of our focus within the group and LNA practice. Wonderful. Well, we love working with you guys. Um, our topic today is about the changing employee expectations for voluntary benefits and that fight for talent and how voluntary benefits are going to become really crucial. So could you kind of take us through your perspective on why there's going to be this fight for talent and why voluntary benefits is going to be really crucial to the changing customer demographics out there and what are their product demands that they're having out there? Abby, do you want to start? Sure. Thanks, uh, Denise. So as employers try to broaden their aperture on the retention side of the house, as we recently have been noticing, there has been a great resignation underway with a lot of turnover across, you know, companies, you know, both ourselves as well as, you know, what we see in corporate market, I think offering more compelling, you know, benefit packages beyond your traditional you know, health uh, or group products, but more on the voluntary side, such as, you know, accident, hospital indemnity, critical illness, and, you know, even as innovative as pet insurance that, that we started to hear in the market is going to be critical as they, you know, curate the employees, you know, broader experience with the employer, but also focus more on the retention of uh, talent uh, from a market standpoint. Antosh, what do you think? Yeah, I think the, the pandemic has sort of shined a spotlight on the need for a multitude of voluntary benefits that employees can take advantage of, right? And you've seen employers taking a greater focus around making sure that employees have a wider range of benefits to fit their specific needs and really allowing employees to pick and customize 
benefits that meet the, their personal you know, life situation. So I think the trend around an increased focus around uh, voluntary benefit offerings and specifically around the disability space will only continue to grow as employers look to really attract, retain, and engage employees in a meaningful way. Yeah, I remember one of the roundtables we did together last year, we ended up having a buyer of benefits for their employees on, and they talked about the five to six different demographic groups that they have, and they almost need to have a customized plan for all those different demographics because their needs are different, as you guys are really talking about. Yeah, exactly. I, I remember Roundtable, Denise, a pretty interesting one. And, you know, we did explore even back then last year, you know, the role of voluntary products and even portability and how that fits into the overall strategy. Should an employee leave, does that also present a logical entry point for the insurer itself to provide more additional coverage through voluntary products, right? Certainly, you know, and voluntary products are from an administration standpoint as well, not heavy as, you know, your group disability, LTD, STD type products, right? So something that, you know, we continue to see increased focus, uh, even from our client standpoint in driving that uh, growth in the marketplace. Santosh, you brought up a really great point about the pandemic and how that's really kind of raised an awareness to some of the different kinds of benefits people want. And in particular, one that the three of us have been talking about is really raising the desire and expectation for disability insurance. Can you kind of go into a little bit of that from your perspective? Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. I think the pandemic was almost a wake-up call to all of us in, in terms of the need for support from a disability or lease perspective, right? And I think the traditional sort of offerings around you know, traditional PTOs and traditional disability products have done only so much to help people through a very sort of challenging period, right? And I think the pandemic has shown that, that there are sort of different types of leaves that, that are now required, you know, whether it's to help folks with vaccine mandates or help folks with supporting their family or, or bereavement, extended bereavement leaves, right? And so I think it's forced employers to think a little bit more critically and innovatively around the, the various forms of disability and leaves that they have to provide to really, you know, retain and keep their best asset, which is their employees. Abby, any additional thoughts? No, I, I think that sums it up well between what I previously mentioned, what Santosh added. So one of the other elements around disability insurance is really this concept of absence management and how that's really become a higher demand, particularly for some of the larger employers. That's really viewed as another kind of product, but it's really more like a value-added service that you're providing that it really ties on an integrated basis into that whole disability insurance aspect. Can you guys kind of talk through that a little bit more and why that's becoming such a higher need and value? I think it offers a new revenue stream uh, from an insurer standpoint uh, to really go after the fee-based business, which is what it is, right? Providing those absence services, why it is important from an employer standpoint is it's extremely complex to manage leaves, sort of, you know, taking into consideration your federal leave laws, your state leave laws uh, from a disability or paid family leave. So any of those regulations and how those overlap with each other, the offsets associated with it, and then truly sort of, you know, exchanging information back and forth 
between the employer and the insurer, right? They're looking for, you know, insurers to really offer integrated absence and disability management type offerings, which is what we see a lot of focus from insurers to, to get there and truly simplifying, you know, that administrative burden from employer and or plan administrator standpoint. So that's why I think it, it's it's attractive in, in a sense, you know, if it's simplified, right? <laughs> I think that's key there on that subject. Santosh? Beyond what Abhi highlighted really well, right, which is the complexity around absence management, I would say companies are really looking to engage their employees differently, given the nature of work across industries is rapidly changing, right? We went from a largely on-site based workforce to now very remote distributed workforces. And companies are looking to not only engage their employees better, but offer relevant and appropriate benefits, inclusive of various forms of leaves and vacations, if you will, within that context, right? And so I think as companies look to engage a new distributed workforce, how they manage not only their work, but also their non-work time and the flexibility around non-work time, I think becomes more and more important. You know, when you you kind of started talking about a little bit, Santosh, and I know it's been a big area of focus for you guys at Deloitte is this future of work. How do these offerings, particularly disability income and integrated absence management, along with other voluntary benefits, are going to help in this fight for talent for employers? And how can insurers really kind of get that message across about the importance of those benefits in this integrated disability and absence management and why that's going to be of real value for them to not just attract employees, but also retain the employees. Yeah, I would say three things come to mind on that front, uh, Denise. One is employers are looking to offer a wider range of benefits and choices to employees and allowing employees the ability to customize things based on their needs, right? Which is more effort and complexity that an employer has to take on in terms of putting these programs in place, but then also communicating that effectively to employees so that they understand the value that the employer is providing and how to effectively take advantage of them, right? Two, the employers are increasingly looking to become more employee-centric, if I may say that. And I think the voluntary benefit programs are one sort of tool or component in attracting and retaining employees and and really fighting back against this great resignation wave, if you will, that we've been seeing, right? So it is a key component of how employers continue to attract and retain folks within their organization. Lastly, at the end of the day, you know, I would say companies are looking to really increase the level of engagement and productivity with their employees and really having better ways or better ways of engaging employees, better ways of giving them time off as both of a company benefit and then benefits that are required by regulations becomes a critical component to how employees stay engaged and stay productive within organizations. And I think, Denise, there there has also been a little bit of wide shift, uh, fundamental shift in terms of really moving towards that, you know, empathy 
based model, right? Um, mm-hmm. So you do see, you know, a lot of, and I can speak for our firm, like, you know, we've introduced, you know, a lot of, you know, additional sort of, you know, mental well-being, focus on mental well-being, focus on extended leave, you know, forced, you know, time off, you know, counseling services. So we have rolled out plethora of just benefits and services just catered towards that the empathy aspect and really helping our employees across the board. But also we see that naturally occurring as a part of this pandemic as it sort of comes down to a halt. That's a great point because I would say it is not limited to just large employers, right? I would say small and medium-sized organizations have the same challenge and struggle for terms of you know talent war and, and retention. And I would say that they have an equal set of challenges in offering benefits that help attract and retain talent, right? And it's definitely an issue that spans small, medium, and certainly large employers. Great point, because quite frankly, it's a fight for talent, regardless of what size the organization is these days. You know, one of the other things that you kind of began to expand a little bit on, Abby, was enhancing off to include other additional services bundled with disability and leave products. So you started getting into mental health, consulting services, maybe it's a whole wellness type of thing, and maybe it's also even financial wellness kind of aspects. What are you beginning to see there around other enhanced offerings and services? Those are some of the ones that come to my top of my mind. And if you remember last year when we did, you know, products and services roundtable, we, we explored this topic in general, you know, bringing that collective, you know, wellness value proposition. So we are seeing in pockets somewhere, time will tell folks trying to take that integrated and end-to-end sort of, you know, connected, you know, financial wellness, you know, value prop to employers that combines, you know, financial aspects around, you know, retirement, but also starting to see if you can expand into some of these other, you know, ancillary insurance offerings to the table beyond sort of, you know, what I talked about in terms of mental health and counseling and pet insurance. So I think like that space will will continue to sort of, you know, rise and we do expect insurers to get more creative in that space. Anything else to add, uh, Santosh, to that from your perspective and working with people in the industry? No, I think bundling is a key concept and sort of pricing appropriately around it is a challenge, right? So I think not only offering the right set of products and services, but then how do you make it affordable, I think is the other aspect that I think carriers will continue to sort of be challenged with. Okay, great. Well, I always like to close our podcast with a final question. And Santosh, I'll I'll start with you first. If you could name one word that would describe the future of insurance, what is it and why? This is a good challenge, Denise. I would (laughs) go with holistic. I would argue that today's insurance industry and products and services is still very piecemeal. I, as a consumer, probably get my insurance coverage from a multitude of sources. And I think as we move into the future, carriers and the industry is going to figure a way to you know, bring it together in a way that is meaningful for an individual individual consumer, right? So my insurance needs will definitely be different than Abby's, but how do you sort of put together a holistic insurance set of products that are relevant to me and my needs and make it easy for, for me to, to, to buy. And Abby, what about you? Um, connected, 
I guess is the word I would use from a future standpoint. If you talk about, you know, group, uh, there will continue to be a lot of investments, you know, from an ecosystem standpoint, you know, connecting, playing and orchestrating within that ecosystem as it's complex uh, from a group standpoint. Same applies even on the life and PNC side. So you will see connected issue been important as you start playing within that ecosystem and really starting to expand even beyond your sort of you know core market into adjacent markets leveraging you know technology and that connected issue that's how i feel uh, future to be well thanks abhi and santosh it's been fun working with you guys and it's been fun having this conversation and i know we're going to be having a deeper dive into some upcoming roundtables and in another series of our podcast uh, with you both There's a lot happening in the marketplace, a lot happening with employees and a lot happening with regard to a desire for new voluntary benefits. And it could be a more exciting time in the industry right now with a lot of opportunities ahead. So thanks so much for your insights today. Thank you, Denise. Thank you, Denise. That's a wrap for this week's episode of the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast. Be sure to sign up for our email list and follow us on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss out on our next episode. I'm Denise Garth. Wishing you a happy podcasting.